0: Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. I don't know about you, but when I when I hear... A story like that, and I think about uh, Stephen Boozer, who just baptized her. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. I saw him baptized here, and I saw him baptize his family here. And now to see him not bringing a friend to church, but leading a friend to salvation through Jesus—it's beautiful, man. That's that's what we're about. And uh, you know, I want to I want to jump into the message, but in some ways, I feel like there's some Sundays where the message has already been preached. Like What's left to be said than, than the story of what you just heard. Now, I'm going to deliver something because I prepared it, but, but don't miss for a minute what we just saw as the miracle of salvation, and there is no greater miracle. <laughs> Mark chapter 15, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. We're in a series called Love Runs Red, and today I want to talk about a man named Simon who came face-to-face with Jesus at a very pivotal moment on Jesus' way to the cross. Now, we talk about Easter being next week, and I know we're all excited uh, about Easter and the resurrection, but we know we can't get to the resurrection without going through the cross. And today, I wanna talk a little bit about the cross and about how it changed this man Simon's life. Here's a question I want you to consider. Have you ever felt like you were doing something right, you were doing what God told you to do, You were in the right place, doing the right things, but things went wrong. You ever been there? Back in 2006, uh, my wife and I, uh, we were a young couple and we were in youth ministry at the time. And we were really excited because we had planned for our high school ministry, a mission trip to go to Chicago, Illinois. I'd never been to Chicago, heard it was a cool city. It was about 20 hours from where we were living at the time. And, uh... During the year of planning this mission trip, we got pregnant, which was exciting. But at the time of the mission trip, uh, she was about eight months along. So we went to our doctor and we're like, hey, you think it'll be all right if we go, right? Like, you don't see any, nothing could go wrong, right? He's like, absolutely do not get on the bus and don't go to Chicago. And we're like, cool, and we go home and we're like, well, God told us to go. So God's going to provide. We did one of those like spiritualize everything and Ashley got on the bus. We went through the week, the whole week. It was a construction mission trip. We were working on roofs, working on houses. She was not on a roof. Uh, she was more like giving Gatorade and water and things like that. Every night we had worship services and we got all the way through the week. And I was really excited because I'm like, we'll get this mission trip done. Then we'll go home. Then we'll have the baby and everything will be great. Friday night, the last night of the trip, I'm asleep on the gymnasium floor with all the other high school boys. The guys slept on the floor in one room or one gym, the girls were in another one. We were on air mattresses and things. And in the middle of the night, one of our youth workers, his name was Randy Robinson. He was also the bus driver. He woke me up. You know, I'm startled. I'm exhausted. If you've ever known anything about youth ministry, uh, there's just, you're, you're whooped. And I wake up and I'm like, yeah, Randy, what's up? He said, you need to get up and get dressed. I'm like, what time is it? Thinking, you know, maybe I blew the alarm. He said, you, you need, we're going to the hospital. I said, what happened? What's wrong? He said, you're having a baby tonight. And I, I can't say what I said <laughs> to this morning uh, or the thoughts that went through my mind, but I, I, I got up and I got dressed and we made our way to the hospital and I walk in this hospital room and I see Ashley and she's got a big old smile on her face. You know anything about Ashley? She's like, "Here we go." The nurse is like, "Hey, you're having a baby." I'm like, "No, you can hold that off. Give her a shot or something. We got to figure this out, you know." And uh, long story, really short, really condensed. We had Braylee that night in St. Catherine's Hospital, East Chicago. The next morning, all the high schoolers loaded up the charter bus, went back home. We stayed in Chicago for a couple of days, and I remember thinking, like, "All right, I'm a Type A personality. I like a good plan." And I had it all planned out, but we did not have extra luggage. We did not have anything that you would need for a newborn. None of our family was there at the time, although we did have some family that traveled in. Uh, The nursery back home was not put together. And I was sitting here thinking, okay, I'm doing everything that I thought God wanted me to do. And this happens this way. It's pretty inconvenient. You know what I'm saying? We got in the car, a rental car, and Ashley's like, you talk about inconvenient, babe. I'm the one that had the baby, you know, Uh, (laughs) we drive all the way home, stopping like every hour and it was crazy, but it's like we were doing all the right things, but then something seemed to go wrong or seemed to be inconvenient. But looking back on it, I honestly would not have scripted it any other way. And I think life's that way sometimes. I think sometimes in life we, we go, we look in hindsight or we look in the rearview mirror and go, man, I'm so glad God did things that way. Today, I wanna look at the story of a man named Simon who was doing everything he was supposed to be doing. He was doing the right things, the right way. Some would say uh, even incredibly righteous in terms of what he was doing in this story, but then something crazy actually happens to him. Mark chapter 15, let's pick the story up in verse 20. When they, and by they, we're talking about the soldiers, when they were finally tired of mocking Jesus, they took off the purple robe and they put his own clothes on him again and then they led Jesus away to be crucified. Now, verse 21, there was a passerby named Simon who was from Cyrene and he was coming in from the countryside just then. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. What's interesting and I wanna set the scene of this story for us, the context of what's taken place. Uh, I referenced the movie, The Passion of the Christ several weeks ago if you haven't watched it, I, I can't encourage you enough to find time to watch the movie. In the movie, this, this scene is so detailed and it's so descriptive. But what's actually happening in the scene is we're on the, 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 the tail end of Jesus' arrest, his trial, and really the beating, the physical beating that he endured and the emotional beating that he endured. If you read all of Mark chapter 15 what you'll discover is that Jesus at this point is being led out of Jerusalem, outside the city walls, and they're marching toward the place called Golgotha, which was the place of the skull. It's a hill right outside of the city walls of Jerusalem that looks like a skull. And John tells us in his gospel that Jesus was forced to carry his own cross that he would be crucified on this same day. And so as he makes his way out of the city, he's already been physically beaten with a cat of nine tails, it was basically a whip with nine strips of leather leather, and there's glass and rock in it, so his back is just ripped open. Most scholars would say that physically he was beyond recognition at this point. He had the crown of thorns placed on his head. He's been emotionally just beat to death in terms of being mocked and spit upon, his beard being pulled out. This is Jesus that we're talking about. And now he's got a cross on his back that he's going to die on. And as he makes his way up the hill to Golgotha, he collapses. Physically, he's whooped. Emotionally, he's whooped. And I want us to get the visual here because it's in this moment that we meet a man named Simon. Now Simon came from Cyrene. Quick geography, Cyrene is 730 miles away in Northern Africa. He didn't have a car. He didn't have a plane, but he's on his way to Jerusalem because it's Passover. And in Cyrene, there were Jews and Gentiles that lived there. And so he was probably a righteous man, a religious man, who was on a pilgrimage going to Jerusalem for the celebration of Passover. He's not Middle Eastern. He's not Israeli. This is a black man from North Africa who's traveled 730 miles that's almost a month's journey to get to Jerusalem. So this man is purposefully and intentionally seeking after God. He's faithful. And as he walks by, probably traveling alone, not with his family. We learn later that he had kids. We don't know how old they were at this point, but he's probably not with his wife. He's a Jewish man traveling alone with a small group. As he's walking by, imagine him walking into town and seeing this scene, thousands of people that are watching this man named Jesus carry a cross. Now we read the story and we go, well, everybody there at the time knew about Jesus. And I, and I think people did know about Jesus. But if you weren't from Jerusalem and you were from another country and you get to town, all you see is there's a bunch of chaos happening and a man who claimed to be the son of God is about to be killed. And so Simon's walking by and it just, just at the right time, as he's walking by, Jesus collapses and the soldiers go, hey, you, you come carry his cross. Now think for a moment, you, you're on a pilgrimage, you're doing all the right things, you're doing what you believe God wants you to do, you're following the religion that you've been raised in and that you're part of, and then in this moment, everything changes and all eyes are on you and Simon comes face to face with Jesus. There's a, there's a couple things I want us to take away from the story about this encounter and what the cross did for Simon. If you're taking notes, this would be a really good time to start because we can easily go through the, the story of the cross and the resurrection and celebrate Easter and miss this character. That's why some of you right now have been in church for years, maybe even decades, and you've never heard about Simon of Cyrene. You can easily glance over this, but this is a very important part of the story. The first thing that I want us to realize and take away from this is that the cross that Simon carried In this story, it was his to carry. It was was his cross to carry. Here's what's interesting. The gospel of Mark was written by Peter, right? So Peter, faithful disciple of Jesus, most scholars believe about 30 years after the crucifixion, Peter and John Mark sat down together and Peter told John Mark, hey, here's the account of our life with Jesus. And Mark penned it out in his gospel. Mark tells us that this was Jesus's cross. Possession to Jesus. John tells us that Jesus was tasked to carry his own cross. If you do some study, you got to ask the question, why is Jesus carrying a cross? He was sinless. He's the only person who ever lived that didn't commit a sin. Yet a cross was for criminals. A cross was, uh, it was our modern day electric chair. The cross was the, the most gruesome way to die, the most criminal way to die. And here Jesus is carrying The cross, 1 Peter 2.24 tells us this, that Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. This is the great exchange that we're talking about at the cross. Simon who's just passing by, Simon comes face to face with Jesus. Jesus has this wooden cross on his back. When Simon gets there, The cross that he picks up is actually a cross that he should be on and that you should be on. Like when Peter tells us, hey, look, Jesus died the death that we deserve to die. He put our sins on his back. What we know in this story is that when Simon shows up, physically, he picks up a cross that actually should have been his to carry. I don't know what you think about when you look at the cross. But I want us to get in that scene where we realize that all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our guilt, all of our struggles are really ours to carry, if not for Jesus. All of us have a cross to carry. And listen, some may be heavier, they seem heavier than others, right? Because some crosses we create, right? There's some sins that we got nobody to blame for except ourselves. but everybody here is a sinner and everybody watching is a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. We're, we're all sinners. And while they might not seem equal, listen, some people may have a, a, a problem where they, the, your mouth, right? You just profanity like no other. It's just filth coming out. Maybe your sin is lust or pornography, you got an addiction that you don't tell anybody about, but it's it's running rampant in your life. Maybe it's alcoholism, or perhaps you're cheating on somebody right now, or maybe lying is your vice, right? There's there's sins that, that we commit. It's definitely a cross, it's heavy, it's a burden that you carry around. There's some crosses that we inherit. Like you you got it from your parents or from your family, right? It's generational. Maybe you're just angry, and you don't know why you're angry. You pop off, say things, do things. You don't really know why, and you go, well, my dad was mad. My granddad was mad. This is just kind of who I am. It's part of your family. Maybe you inherited some brokenness from your generational line. You grew up in a broken home. You've never seen a healthy marriage. You don't know how to parent because you've never seen that done well for you. Right? Like, there's some crosses that are just handed to you and inherited. There's some crosses that happen to you. Like, maybe you had to go through the death of a loved one. You're struggling with that grief. You're dealing with depression. Maybe you were abused in some way, mentally, sexually, physically, right? It's something done to you. Listen, all of us have a cross that we have to carry. But the same way that Simon rolls up on Jesus here and puts the cross on his back, when we look at the cross, what we have to remember is the only way we get through this life is taking that cross on our back and giving it to Jesus. It's the only way. It's a crushing blow. I mean, physically think about Jesus. Who is, like, Jesus was God in the flesh and this made him collapse. But you think you can carry whatever it is that life has dealt you? There's no way you'll make it outside of Jesus, right? That That's the picture that we have here. Simon's walking by, they go, hey, come pick this thing up. And I just have to imagine when he comes face to face with Jesus and he sees him collapsed under the cross that there's something about Simon that says, I, I got this, I got, let's go, you know? Doesn't really even know who he is, but I, I got this. And it's exactly what Jesus does for us. Jesus says, whatever you're carrying, whatever's been done, whatever you've done, just put it on my back. That's why Jesus looked at his followers and said, any one of you who is weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. Whatever it is you're carrying, just bring it to me, and I'll put it on my back. That's what Jesus does for us. It's what Simon did for Jesus in this story. Every single one of us, every single one of us is a Simon. It's all our cross to carry. We put Jesus on the cross. We caused his death. We, our sins, our offenses. Jesus did that for us. Second thing the cross does and teaches us is that the cross brought simon closer brought him closer now sometimes i'll read scripture and i try to like envision what that moment would be like right it's a story this is these are true stories it's not some fairy tale and i think about all the people that were gathered at the parade that day all the people that were looking in at jesus all the people that were watching and here comes simon walking by the soldiers had been harassing and taunting and beating Jesus for hours in fact some all through the night and they're ready to get they're they're ready to for this crucifixion to go ahead and happen remember there were three guys that were killed that day so they're trying to push this thing up the hill they're come on Jesus carry your cross come on and he collapses they're frustrated and they're mad and they look out and they find the one guy they think can pick that thing up and carry it tells me this I don't think Simon was some little skinny guy. Now, if you're here today and you wear a size 28 waist, don't get mad at me. But I I think Simon was swole. I just do. They look out and they're like, hey, you, right? Because they picked him out of thousands. And one thing that I don't want us to miss is this Simon didn't look like everybody else that was there. We're we're in first century Israel. Simon's from Northern Africa. Simon's an outsider, ethnically. Simon's a black guy from North Africa that the soldiers go, hey, you come pick this thing up. And I want us to see something real quick because they picked somebody they perceived to be an outsider and the cross brought the outsider to the inside face-to-face with Jesus. Today, the cross still does that for us. There may be people that you look at and go, hey, you don't belong in here. Hey, why are you here? Hey, why don't you come do the heavy lifting? And, and right here in this story, Jesus goes, that's exactly who I want beside me. The cross brings people together. The cross will break through racial and ethnic nons. And that's exactly what happens in this story. Simon's passing by. No business with what's going on over there. You, come on. And and, and think about this real quick. Here's a religious man on a pilgrimage to observe exactly what the scriptures told him to observe. I'm making the trek. I'm going all the way to Jerusalem. I'm gonna put in the work. If I can just get close to God, I'm on the journey. And he gets there. And when he gets there and gets called in, in a moment, he's face to face with Jesus. Don't think for a second the soldier said, hey, we'll, we'll pick this up off the back and, and, and put it on your assignment. No, no, no. He physically had to touch Jesus. And what we know from the story is there was blood on the cross off of Jesus' back. The cross was wet with the sweat. And I'm not trying to be gruesome, this is just factual. That in a moment's notice, this man comes eye to eye with Jesus, takes on his pain, puts it on his back, and looks at Jesus and says, let's go. And I want you to envision them walking up Golgotha together. And he's carrying it slow, and Jesus is walking along, and they're step and step, he hears him breathing, there's not a word exchange that we know of. But something about this difficulty gave Simon a glimpse of Jesus that nobody else had it. Thousands in the crowd, but there's, there's one right beside him. And I think the lesson in that for every single one of us is this. There is something about difficulty and adversity that brings an intimacy to Jesus you can't get any other way. There's, there's something about adversity that brings intimacy in a relationship. That's why, uh, you can find a group of, of, say, young moms, right? We got a ton of pregnant people here at Awaken Church, right? And you, you find a group of, of moms that had kids all together, right? And they go through those first couple months or first couple years of having kids. Those moms are locked arm in arm. There's a, there's a community and a support there that is unmatched. Why? Because they've gone through adversity together. It's why you can uh, find a class of people who've gone through AA and broken through addiction. Why are they so tight? Because they've gone through adversity together. It's like sports teams, right? Right now, you look like the NBA this past year, the bubble that existed during COVID and some of the teams that just gelled together because they went through adversity together. It's military. Any of you guys that are women or men that serve in the military? It's why you go through a deployment and you're forever changed with those people. Why? Because you've gone through adversity together. Difficulty makes relationships different. And in this situation, Simon's invited in to the most difficult moment of Jesus' life. Jesus takes on the sins of humanity. He's beaten beyond the point of being able to physically walk and Simon's brought in right beside him and he puts the cross on his back and he starts marching up the mountain. There's a difference between walking by what was happening that day and then walking with the one it was happening to. There's a difference between walking by Jesus and walking with Jesus. There's a difference between walking by worship and walking with worship. You go, what do you mean pastor? Look, you can walk by this place every Sunday. I don't care if you say I'm coming every single week. You can walk by, you can walk in and you can walk out but but miss the worship that's happening. It's different when you start walking with worship. It's different when you keep hope alive means something on a Thursday morning when things are falling apart at house. It's, it's different when uh, you, you have to actually call yourself into a time of worship during the week because Sunday morning, ain't just, it ain't good enough. You need something else during the week, right? That's walking with worship, not just walking by worship. It's different when you walk with people in community through small group as opposed to walking by small group. You go, what does that mean? It means you can be in a small group for six months and never really open up about what's going on in life. And then when, when the bottom falls out, you go, oh, nobody cares about me. It's like, well, maybe you should have opened up and told them that your world was crashing, right? It's the difference between walking by group and walking with group. Simon in this story with thousands of people is, is walking by Jesus. He's a passerby, but he gets called into a moment where he starts walking with Jesus, and it changed him, it changed him. That's the last thing I wanna focus in on it, it, it changed him. Look at, look at the story, you go, how, how did it change him? Because right here, all we really find is he picks the cross up, he carries it, and by all accounts in the gospel, he kind of disappears. We don't hear about Simon anymore, right? So it's like, okay, well, maybe Simon just grabbed the cross and walked up to the top of the hill, planted that thing and was like, I'm heading to Passover, right? We don't know, other than if you dig a little bit deeper, you realize that it had a monumental life-changing impact on this man who was from a different country, a different ethnicity. Look at what happens in Mark 15, verse 21, the way the verse ends. Then a passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside, just then. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And then right there in parentheses in your Bible, Mark tells us, Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. Well, who's Alexander and Rufus? It's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, the, the audience that Mark is writing to, this is 30 years after the resurrection. So the audience that he's writing to is actually the early church. And so you imagine for a moment that uh, S- Peter and Mark, when they write the gospel, they're like, okay, um, Simon, the one that carried the cross, he was, he was their dad. Y'all know Alexander and Rufus, right? I know I'm confusing you. Let me make it make sense. Y'all know Tevin that gets up here on this platform? Imagine for a moment if I was like, hey, um, Simon was, was Tevin's dad. You're like, oh, okay, we know Tevin. He's in our church, like we know him. Yo, Alexander and Rufus were boys with the early church. How does this happen? <laughs> How do they get from Africa to Jerusalem? How do they move 730 miles away to now be a part of the early church? Here's why. I have to believe that Simon on this day, everything in his world got rocked. He, he picks up a cross and he carries it to the top of the hill and he watches that he laid Jesus on top of it. They put one nail through one wrist, one nail through another wrist, one nail through his feet. Simon steps back and watches as they raise this cross up. And this one that he's read about in the Old Testament, the Messiah, the one that Isaiah said would be led like a sheep to the slaughter, not saying a word. Simon realizes that's him. You don't walk away from that unchanged. And I have to believe that Simon hung out in Jerusalem for a couple days. He'd been traveling quite a while. And so as he hung out in Jerusalem, I have to believe he caught word two days later, two mornings later, when Jesus rose from the dead. Wait a minute now. I knew that guy because I carried his cross. I walked with him. We went up the hill. I saw him get nailed to it. And now he's alive. I imagine Simon had had a little jump in his step on the way home. Wouldn't you agree? I think he went home and he saw his family. At the time, maybe he was married. Maybe his sons were young. I imagine he went home and said, hey, we're packing up house and heading to Jerusalem. You go, that's kind of drastic, isn't it? Listen, if you knew a man that was raised from the dead, you'd follow him too. Simon goes home and says, hey, what I just experienced, we got to go be a part of that. And he packs up house and home and he travels back to Jerusalem because his family was a part of the early church. His wife was changed. His kids were changed. Why? Because the cross changes everything. Paul in Romans chapter 16, check this out. In Romans 16, Paul's writing to the church at Rome. And this is what he says. Verse three, give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. And check this, I want you to greet Rufus too, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own and also his dear mother, who's also been a mother to me. What's Paul saying here? This is years after Simon carries the cross and his own son, Rufus, is a part of leading the early church in Rome. Why? Because when the gospel gets a hold of your family legacy, everything starts to shift. And I'm speaking to a dad that's in here today that wonders, hey, will my life have any impact beyond this decision? Your kids and grandkids will never be the same. I'm talking to the mom who wonders, hey, do those prayers actually make a difference? Your kids will never be the same. Right here, Paul says, look, I know Simon's wife. I know Simon's mom. I know Simon's kids. They're a part of the church because on this day that Simon got called out, he stepped into the family of God and the cross changed everything for him. It is no different for any one of us today. Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know what, I've never actually understood why the cross had to go down the way that it did. Can I invite you today to come face to face with the cross? to see your sin for what it is, to see our savior for who he is, to be changed forever? Because you don't walk away from that, from that moment unchanged. You don't walk away and stay the same. You're changed forever in an instant. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place, those that are worshiping online? I wanna ask you one question as I wrap up this morning, one question nobody can answer for you. Have you been changed by the cross of Jesus? Have you encountered him face to face? Have you given him whatever it is that you're carrying, your sin, your shame, your guilt? The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages, the the punishment or the penalty for our sins is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Simon on that day received salvation. The same invitation is extended to you today. Here's what I wanna invite you to do. Before we stand in worship, before we stand in response this morning, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond as God's speaking to you right now. I believe that for some of you, there needs to be a decision made. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I see him face to face. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And today I'm trusting him as my savior. For some of you, you've made that decision, but you've never stepped out in baptism. Listen, next Sunday on Easter, we're gonna be celebrating baptisms. We had many from the first service. Maybe for you today, you go, you know what? I need to go home like Simon and declare Jesus is my Lord. That's what baptism is. That's the story we celebrated earlier. And maybe today you need to make a decision. I wanna get baptized. I'm ready to step into the family and celebrate what God's done in my life. I wanna give you a couple moments right now to respond as God's leading you. And then we'll rejoin in worship, but don't get up too soon. There's cards on the seat backs in front of you. There's pins on those same seat backs and you can respond as God's leading you right now. But don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss this opportunity to express how you've been changed by the cross. Let's. Let's respond now as God leads and then we'll rejoin in worship.